Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Hey, welcome to church. If I've not had a chance to meet you, so glad that you are here this morning. Uh, my name is Sam. It's just the honor and privilege of my life to get to serve you guys here at Life West. You guys are amazing. Hey, Easter is just around the corner. And one of my favorite things I love about Easter, and I might not understand it, but that doesn't mean I, I can't love it, is people that are far from God not only just show up, but they're more willing to come to church on Easter. And so we're super excited. Uh, about what we're going to see God do and believing for lives to be changed over Easter. Um, invites, if you're looking for some paper invites, we've got some in the back. If you like those, maybe even just for a, a reminder for yourself uh, to, to bring somebody with you. Help make Easter great. If you're like, hey, um, honestly, I just want to be able to plug in and maybe what's on your heart is to help make uh, church more inviting when people come, that we have room for those that would be showing up, we'd love to have you. If you'd like to jump in and help make church great for somebody else that's going to be showing up uh, on Easter, then connect with one of us afterwards. We'd love to connect with you and talk to you about where it is that you can help to make a difference and make church great for those that are coming over Easter. Now, we're in a series and it's called Make It Known, or, well, really, Made Known. And we're, what we're looking at is the book of Ephesians. Now, the book of Ephesians was written, it was authored by God, but written by man, as all of the Bible was. Although the Bible was written over 1,500 years by 40 or 40 plus authors, it was authored by God, but again, written by man. And Paul is one of those men that wrote it, and the book of Ephesians was written, it's in our Bibles, it was written to a church in Ephesians, but specifically, it's written to believers, to Christ followers. And it tells us that right in Ephesians 1.1, right, right there in the very beginning. And so what we see is this is meant to be an explaining, an opening of our eyes, because this isn't just for them, but this is for us. Because the Bible just doesn't tell us about what happened. It tells us what always happens. It's, it's relevant to you and I today. So as we're looking through this, what we're seeing is Paul unpacking and saying, this is what it's meant to be. This is what being a Christian is supposed to be like. These are things that we need to understand. So we're going to jump right in. If you have your Bibles, Ephesians 1, and go to verse 9. We're going to start with verse 9 because we've made it really far these first couple of weeks. But here we go. Ephesians 1, verse 9. This is written to believers so that we would understand what it means to be a Christ follower. He says, making known to us the mystery of his will. This is making known God's will to us according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. In Christ, we find this all over in here. This is where identity is. It's found in Christ a, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. It says, this is all part of God's plan. And one thing we, I want you just to remember and think about is the fact that God exists outside of time. So God has a plan, and you're part of it. God has a plan, but that plan doesn't end with you. God wants to use you. God, who existed outside of time, 
before he even created the world. It says in Revelations 13, it talks about Jesus and it says that he is the lamb who was slain before the world was made. Because God was like, I know exactly what's going to happen. I know what Eve's going to do. I know exactly what Adam's going to do, that they shouldn't do this. I'm going to walk through the garden. They're going to be hiding over here. I'm going to be like, where did you go? Like, he knows. He knows all of this. He goes, but I'm going to make a way. That way, he's like, I, I'm gonna, I have a way. I have a plan for all of it. But understand this in this. In and part of this plan is God wants to use you. God wants to use you. So he has a plan, but you are a part of that plan. God's plan does not end with you. It starts with you. And anytime, anytime I mention, hey, God wants to use you, I think the number one lie that the devil tells every single person that God ever says he wants to use, I think the number one lie is this, you messed it up. Because anybody ever make a mistake, raise your hand. Okay, everybody didn't raise your hand, that was a mistake, so now you can. Like, you should have, okay? Like, that, that's it. Every one of us has, and every one of us knows where we fall short. And so we're like, wait a second, why would God want to use me? Well, number one, I love what Haley just said at the end of worship. She's like, it's, it's in our weakness that God sees his strength. That's why he chose the weak things, to confound the wise. He's like, he doesn't choose the brightest. Look at his disciples and who he chose. They did some great things, but they weren't the top of their class. Most of them didn't make it to class or graduate class. That's why they were doing what they were doing. So he wants to use each and every one of us. But the thing that I think happens so often to us is we make the mistake, and what do we do is we try to hide it. Right? I remember as a kid, I, was, um, I had a bow and arrow. It was a little one. It wasn't, it wasn't very strong, but I was trying to shoot birds in the yard, right? So I'm out there, and I'm trying to shoot birds, and, and there was one, and um, I actually told my parents about this like three weeks ago. They finally figured this, this, what happened out. But I was shooting at this bird, and I shot at it, and it was on the ground, and the bird was on the ground, and I was on the ground, and the arrow hit the ground and bounced and shot my dad's car. But it was in the back of the car and kind of right by the license plate where the license plate was. And it was a little kid's bow, so it didn't, it didn't do a whole lot. So the arrow, like, it hit the car and then went and, like, was on the ground. So I didn't have to like pull it out of the car. Like it wasn't that strong or anything. But I remember I go up there and I look and I'm like, I hope he doesn't notice. Because it was just this little hole. Like next to the license plate, there was a little hole. You wonder what I didn't do? I wasn't like, I should go tell dad. Oh, like dad, I shot your car with a bow. I didn't do that because I knew what I did was wrong. So what I hoped was no one would find out. I hoped that they would blame it on anything else but me and my bow. Now, I knew it was me because I took the arrow and I just put it up to the hole. And I was like, it fits perfect. Like, there's the arrowhead and the, the shape of it. I'm like, this is it. And I wasn't quite smart enough at that point to unscrew the arrow tip and put a different one on so he couldn't match it. But he sure could have. I tried to hide it. And he didn't find out about it. And we were actually sitting down talking the other day about some of that stuff. And I'm like, well, here's something I never told you. And he's like, that was you? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I thought it was the car wash. And I was like, I don't know how you thought a car wash would do that, but I was real happy you thought it was the car wash. But anyways, 
what we do is we hide it. That's just what we all do, no matter what age we are. But here's the thing. When we, every one of us makes mistakes, but when we try to hide it, guess what? We waste that pain. Because we don't want to tell that story. Because we don't want somebody else to find out about it. Instead of allowing God to use it. Romans 8.28 says this. It says, and we know that in all things, in how many things? All. In all things. God works for the good of those that love and serve him who have been called according to his purpose. God can work good out of that bad thing that happened if you'll surrender it to him. And instead of trying to cover it up, maybe you were in a small group and you, 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 hear, you hear that girl talking about what she's going through and what's happening and how she doesn't know what to do and you, you're sitting over there and you can sit there quietly or you can be like, actually, I walked through that same thing. And you can be like, wait a second. I know what you're going through right now and I understand because I was there. And I look at you like, oh, I didn't know. You're like, yeah, it's because I don't just tell everybody, but let me just tell you all about it. And God was faithful and God saw me through it and I'm on the other side of it and God's going to see you through this. There is hope on the other side. What, no matter what it is, what the devil wants to do is to get you ashamed and to waste that pain, to waste your story that you went through. To be ashamed of it and like, well, I'm not perfect. None of us are. We all make mistakes. We do. And the goal isn't to make mistakes, but to glorify God through our mistakes and be like, I did it wrong, but look, God still is used. God, God's still faithful. God still came through. Years ago, I was a kid. We were driving, driving in the car with my dad, and he had a car phone. But uh, before cell phones, it was car phones, and, and his was actually like pumped through the system of of, of the car. So he would never like pick up the phone when he would answer the phone. He still does it right now. Like he's got a cell phone, but he talks on speakerphone like this. So if you're ever talking to him on the phone, just so you know, wherever he is, they're all listening. Like ev everywhere, he's on speakerphone. Hey, blah, blah, blah. but anyways, so we were in the car. It was just he and I, and he answers the phone. So when he answers the phone, it, you're, you called him. In those days, you were talking to whoever was in the car. And usually he'd, he'd be like, hey, you're on with me and Samuel and Josh and Daniel. And you know, he'd just start naming who all was in the car. Well, this time, he answers the phone, and he just, he just says, like, I don't even remember if he even says hello, and the guy that called is just like, oh, pastor, and just starts spilling his guts. And I remember I'm sitting in the car, and I'm like, uh, my dad just looks over, and he goes, shh. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And I don't remember word for word what was said, but I know what, uh, I'm going to give you the just of that conversation. The guy that called was a pastor of a church here in Michigan, and he's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, and he's crying. He's like, um, my teenage daughter, her and her boyfriend, he's like, they just came to us, and, and she's pregnant. Uh, he's like, I pastor a church. I know what it says in the Bible. In Timothy, it says that a pastor who does not lead his family well should not be leading in the church. He's like, I don't know what to do. Um, and and he's, he's, he's just kind of ranting. And my dad's like, I know exactly what you're going to do. And he says this, and I'm like, oh. And he talks to him, and he says this. He says, nobody's perfect. He says, it sounds like your daughter's repentant, and that this isn't what they, they realized that what they did was wrong. And he's like, yes, absolutely. He's like, then this is what you're going to do. 
He's like, yes, people are going to know about this, and that's totally okay. He goes, but what you're going to do is you're going to walk out right in front of your church and everybody who wants to see how you as a loving father take care of your daughter. This guy's bawling on the phone. And he's like, this is an opportunity. He goes, that's what this is. You're going to love her. And I remember just sitting there, listening to this guy cry. And I'm like, if I make mistakes, it's okay. Not that I'm okay with mistakes. I don't, I don't want to just, it's okay, I'm just going to run and go do all of this because I'll just run back. That's not what I'm talking about. But it's when we fall short, God doesn't abandon us and be like, well, that plan didn't work. Go find somebody else. God wants to use you. Your brokenness shows more His grace than if you weren't broken. Our weakness shows His strength. He wants to use you. God has a plan, and you're part of that plan. The things that you've gone through, I wouldn't blame God in any way, shape, or form. I do not. But God can use what you've gone through. If you'll surrender it to Him, if you'll stop hiding it and acting like nobody knows, because they probably do. So often we think we've covered it up so nicely, but everybody that comes by, it's like those, it's like those raised drain fields that you drive by the house and you're like, that's the poop pile. It's under there. It's just, there it is. Anybody that drives by, our messes, people are going to find out. They're going to know. So what if instead of us acting like and spending all of our time trying to cover it up and put on a front, everything's great, that we're just like, no, it's not all great, but God's going to use this. Yeah, I've been through a whole bunch of stuff that I wish I wasn't, but God is still good, and now I get to help people walk through and know that there is hope on the other side. What if we used that? God wants to use you. He works all things for the good. You are gifted, you are talented, you are positioned, and God wants to use you, and he will right where you are. God has a plan, he has a purpose, and he wants to use you. In talking to parents, Proverbs 22 says this in verse 6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And I love the amplified version. Here's what it says. Teaching him to seek God's wisdom and will for his abilities and talents. And even when he's old, he will not depart from it. I read that and I'm like, that's just not, that, that's, that doesn't just apply to kids. That's like all of us. What we are meant to do is to seek God's wisdom and will for our abilities and our talents. Our stories, our messes, all of it. That we seek God's will for it. God, what can you do with this? What can you do with us? What do you want to do? God has a plan and a purpose and he wants to use you. You did not screw it up. The lie the devil says over and over is, it's too late for you. He would have, but you did that. He would have, but you didn't do that. He would have, but you said this at that one time. And our society's like, oh, you did one thing one time once bad? We're just going to make that what you are forever. And that's your new poster. Like, your face is on it. Ah! And we're just going to keep that there. And God's like, no, that's not how I see you. Because your identity is found in Christ. 
He wants to use you. The most important lesson that we can teach our, our kids or ourselves, it's not how to make money, it's not how to be popular, get votes or followers, make decisions, run businesses, influence people, that's not it. The number one thing is you need a relationship with Jesus. And then 1.1, because it's part of and cannot be separated from one, is to seek first the kingdom of God. It's okay, now that that's done, how's that meant to change your life? And if God wants to use you, then we need to seek him first. And that seeking first comes into play every day. Even when we fall short the day before, his mercies are new every morning. It's like, okay, then today, God, I'm going to give it to you. Yesterday, I fell short. Yesterday, God, I do, I think you put it on my heart to give this, to say these words to that person, and I didn't. But God, forgive me, and today I will. Speak to me again, and he will. We're meant to use it. Matthew 6, verse 28 says this. It says, and why worry about clothes? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothes, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. Solomon was one of the kings of Israel. And the Bible says about him that he was wiser and richer than any man who ever lived or will. You're like, so-and-so's got all this money, not near as much as this guy. And here it says, he was not dressed as near as beautifully as these lilies. And he says this in verse 30, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. He cares. He says, it will certainly care for you. Now, I think sometimes we can read through this, and what we hear is, he does not care. Because, and I'm going to keep reading. So why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows that you need them. So seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. God wants to use you. You didn't mess it up. Our job is to seek first the kingdom of God because he cares. And it's not like God doesn't say, I don't care about the rest of it. He says, no, 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 no. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. He says, and I'll take care of the rest. He's like, you do this and then this. The deal my parents struck with us um, growing up, I graduated high school. And my dad comes in one day and he's like, college? And I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of thinking. He goes, here's the deal. You go to Bible college and then I'll pay for college if you go to college. He goes, but I want you to start in Bible college. And I was like, okay. So if I do this, you'll do that? He's like, yep. I was like, okay, so I'll start there and we'll figure things out from there. Well, God is like, look, seek first the kingdom of God. He's like, and then I'll take care of the rest of this. If you seek first the kingdom of God, he's like, I've got this part covered. I knew not to go to dad and be like, hey, I don't want to go to Bible college, but what I would like to go is I want to, he's like, no, 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 no. I already told you. You do this, I'll do this. And so God's word says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. I think most of us are like, well, if you give me all that, then I'll seek you first. And God's like, it doesn't work that, that, that way. That's reverse. That's not forward. 
And apparently God doesn't operate in reverse. He's like, I only go forward. This is what it's going to be. So it's like, seek first the kingdom of God. So then the question we need to ask is this. Because here's a little secret is in this is he says this. He says, these things, this is verse 32, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows what you need. So what I want to ask myself is this. Am I seeking first the kingdom of God? Okay, so what's dominating my thoughts? Are my thoughts dominated by, well, how do I get this promotion or open up this market or hire this person or get this promotion over here? Or who am I going to marry and how am I going to pay for this? And am I going to get married? And what's, in, what's dominating my thoughts? And what college am I going to go into? And will this get me to open the door that I want it to? And if I meet this person, will they be able to introduce me to? What's dominating my thoughts? Or are my thoughts dominated by how can I use where I am and what God's given me for his kingdom? The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. He wants to use you right where you are. You didn't mess it up to the point that God wants to walk away from you. So then my thoughts need to be, God, how do you want to use me? How are you going to use me? What do you want to do? And it's surrendering what we have to him. And being like, okay, what I've got, God, use it however you want to use it, whenever you want to use it. I'm not going to spend all my time worrying with my thoughts dominated by all of this other stuff. And God's going to start, let me just tell you where God's going to start with you. The Bible says this, it says, the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. It doesn't say the leaps. He's going to start, he's going to meet you right where you are, and it's going to be a step. Years ago, I was at a, at a conference down in Texas, and um, the, guy, the guy that was, was preaching was Robert Morris. He was a, a pastor down in Texas. Maybe, maybe you've heard of him. He was at a, at a conference down there and got a chance to talk to him a little bit afterwards, and, and one of the questions I wanted to ask him is I was like, um, I said, you have talked about and said, I've heard you share your story, your testimony many times. I said, you have mentioned that multiple times God has asked you to give everything away. And that when God said everything, you knew what it meant, that it was your house, it was your retirement, it was your savings, it was everything. And I go, how did you know that that was God telling you to do that. I was like, how did you know? And, he's, and he, he looks at me and he says, now usually when people ask me this question, he said, it's because they're wondering if God has asked them to do the same thing. And it wasn't just me. I, I was talking with him, but there were several other people around. And once I asked the question, then a bunch of other people kind of jo- joined, joined in the question. So he was talking to me and everybody, and I didn't want to answer. I, I, it was no longer me answering that. It was, it was kind of for all of us. And so he says, so this is my answer. My first answer is God will not lead you to give away your house if you have not yet tithed. He's like, he's not going to lead you to give away something else when you're not following him where you know. He goes, he leads in steps. He goes, God calls givers to do extravagant things. He doesn't call people who do not give to do these things. He goes, they won't do it. God leads in steps. And when he said that, I was sitting there and I was like, well, duh. That would just make sense. I hadn't thought of it before, but the minute he said it, I was like, well, of course. 
because we're going to see God's faithfulness. We see his faithfulness in this area, and this, this particular question was about generosity, but somebody who's tithing is going to see God's faithfulness, and they're going to see it, and they're like, wow, I'm, I'm blessed, and other people are getting laid off, and they don't get offered the overtime, and I get it, and other people's companies are downsizing, and mine is growing. God, it's your blessing, and we're going to attribute to him because we know it, and then as a result, we're going to be giving more. We're going to be sowing more, and when we sow more, we reap more, and they're going to see it. I'm like, it's going to compound, and it's going to grow. Of course, that's how it works, but when, I didn't get it until he said it. And God leads us in steps. But here's the other thing I want you to understand about those steps is he meets us where we are. And so we don't have to be in fear of what God is going to ask us to do. It might be something that is a stretch for us, absolutely. But it's going to be in our, it's going to be in your zone. It's going to be something that you are able to do. You're going to be, it might stretch you where God leads you as you begin to seek him first and you're changing, you're like, wait a second. And it might be inconvenient. I'm going to almost guarantee it's going to be inconvenient. Where you're like, I'm going to have to shift some stuff if I'm going to do this. Yeah, you might. Well, I might miss this over here. You probably will miss something. But God wants to lead us and he leads us in steps. And as you take these steps, it's going to be like adding train cars to that train. Every, every train, every car that it adds, guess what? It gets harder and harder to stop because it's got all this weight behind it. We see it with David. We see these steps over and over in the Bible. David, we know about David when he shows up on the scene in the Bible because he kills Goliath. He kills the giant that nobody else could kill. And we're like, boom, boom. David is here. But we forget about the fact that he was anointed king in front of his brothers and then went right back to doing the normal thing he'd been doing, which was he just went back to shepherding. Like, yay, I got anointed king, and now I'm back shepherding. Like the lowest of the jobs, he's doing it. But he did it differently. He did it differently and the way that he did that lowly thing is what set him up to do the great thing that would bring him or literally put him on the stage for all of Israel because the Bible says that a lion came after those sheep and he went after that. Lion was like, no, you don't even get one of these sheep. No way. Because what he did is he did everything heartily as under the Lord. And he didn't think anything was below him. He wasn't like, oh, it's just a sheep and this is just my lowly job. It's just one. That's just what happens. He's like, no, that's not how I do this. So he went after the lion, struck it, and took it back. A bear came, and he did the same. So when it came time for the lion, when it came time for the bear, he took care of it. Now it's the giant. And why does he stand? He gets called before King Saul. King Saul says, you can't kill the giant. You can't do this. And his response was, David's response to the king as to why he could was, yes, I can. I was tending my father's sheep, doing the thing, doing, doing the lowly job. But the way he did it was different. He's like, look, a lion and a bear came and took that sheep. And I went and I rescued the sheep from the lion and the bear. And then he says this. He says, the same God that protected me. He knows it's God. He knows it's not him. He's given, God, he's given the glory to God. He says, the same God that protected me from the lion and the bear will hand 
Philistine over. God leads in steps, and the reason why he's like, I can do this, I know I can, God is with me, he's been faithful to me, is because he had taken those small steps. I, I know this from the bottom of my heart, that if David had not killed the lion, if he had not killed the bear, I believe with all of my heart, he never would have killed the giant. Now, we don't know. We can ask God. But I know, I, I, I know the reason he gives, I know he can, is because the steps he had taken right where he was. Right where he was, he's like, I'm going to honor God. Right where he was, he laid down. Right where he was, he served. Right where he was. God wants to use you. The messes, the things that you've gone through, they don't disqualify you. In fact, they qualify you to minister to people in different ways. You know what it says about Jesus? One of the things about him is this, is that he became like a man, like us. And it says in the scripture, we do not have a, a high priest, a heavenly father that doesn't understand us. He does. They're like, look, he became like you and I, experienced what you and I would experience some loss and pain and hurt and frailty, all of it, so that he could relate to us. You may have gone through some stuff. I'm sure you have. But as a result of that, don't let that pain go to waste. Don't hide it. Instead, give it to God and be like, God, how can I use this to be a blessing to other people, to relate to some people, to tell them like I've, I've been there and help them to walk the path that they need to to see how you can use them right where they are as they're walking out these painful th things that are outside of their circumstances, things that happen to them, things that they can't change, that they wish they could, but they're like, you can't. God will use every single bit of it as we seek after him, as we seek him first in all that we do. He, doesn't, he wants to use you. Why do we seek him first? Because he wants to use you. And he says, and as a result, because we seek after him first, he says, you don't have to worry about the rest. You don't have to worry about that. Just seek first the kingdom of God. And then your heavenly father cares, who cares so well for you. He's like, watch, I'll help with those other things. I'll step in. I will step in. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Your identity is found in Him. I'm super excited for next week as we get to talk about what that means more. But as we're here, I want you to hear loud and clear that God loves you, has a plan and purpose for your life. You have not messed it up. God's going to lead you and He's going to lead you in steps. God's Word says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Ask and you will receive. If you're like, I don't know, man, God, God really hasn't been speaking to me. He doesn't tell me. Seek after him. Right where you are and say, God, what do you want me to do? Maybe you need to ask yourself, what is dominating your thoughts? Is it of how am I going to do this and what's going to happen here? Or is it, God, how can you use me right where I am? How can you use me? What can you do with me, through me? Because he will and he wants to. 
would you please, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? As we close this morning, I don't want to just assume that because you're here, I don't want to just assume that you're right with God, that you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that when you die, you're going to go to be with heaven. You know, I'm talking about God has a plan and he has a purpose, and you might be sitting there and be like, he's not using me because I'm not surrendered to him. It all starts with making him the Lord of your life. And he will. He wants to use you. God wants to use you to make a difference in this world. And you can start today. He's not waiting for you to be perfect. You never will be. And neither will I. If you're here this morning, you say, today's the day I want to give Jesus, the, I want to give Jesus my heart. I want to make him the Lord of my life. Today I go all in for him. If that's you, I'd love the honor of praying with you right in your seat. And when we leave, when we say amen, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God and begin to walk out the plan and purpose he has for you. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. You're saying to me and God, God, today's the day I'm giving my heart and my life to you. Get ready. One, two, three. Right out. Shoot it up all the way and say, that's me. Today is my day. I give my life and my heart to him. Well, God, we just come before you this morning. We thank you for your word. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God, I just ask that you would give people boldness this morning. Give them boldness. As they contemplate, as they're looking at their life and what they've been through, would you give them the boldness to speak up, to use some of the pain that they've been through, to relate, to use it to bring you glory, to show how you brought them out, to not just hide their faults, but God, to bring you glory through them as we leave this place, God. Some of us, our thoughts are just dominated by things that we know they shouldn't be. So God, we surrender those thoughts to you. God, we don't want to worry. We don't want to fret about it. We want to give it to you. So we invite you in right now. God, you're you're our Savior, but you're our Lord, you're our King. And we give all we have to you. We thank you for what you're doing in and through us. God, when we fall short, thank you that you forgive us. And we give you our message. Make them your message. Thank you for all you're doing in and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.